This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform. And once again, I am sitting here. Um, there was a little confusion as to the topic of today's podcast, but it's all good. We have a team of very organized people and an owner who is not very organized. So I'll keep that in mind. But along with me is my sometimes tormentor, cohort in crime, Becky Avara. Becky is my right-hand woman. Um, Carolyn is one of the lead coaches that eat to perform. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about summer getting away from you. What are your options and what you can do about it? And then we'll get into some Q&A as we kind of go from there. So it's interesting because, as most of you know, um, I cracked the 4,000 calorie barrier um, recently. And it's so interesting the way that people view that because there's so many people, like when I made the post about being at 4,000 calories, um, they were like, man, that sounds like a dream. It's like, yeah, it is a dream at Taco Bell. It's a nightmare with yogurt, right? It's a nightmare with um, you know, steak, you know, so, uh, yes, it, things are so much more flexible than fat loss. I know many of you who've just started, you know, you're probably in fat loss right now. Maybe your calories aren't as low as they might be in, in the next couple of weeks, but, and it's probably hard for you to even imagine someone eating 4,000 calories, right? Because if you're new, you know, this is a whole new world to you. What's interesting is that my friend who I did this with, for, for those that don't know, I did this kind of in solidarity with a friend um, here locally who wanted someone to kind of be on their side. And, and they were like, you know, do you know anyone locally? And I was like, yeah, you know, me. Um, and so, uh, so I dusted off the, the fat loss you know, tracking logs and, and all this other stuff. And, and I joined the person. What's interesting about her experience at this point is that she is at her lowest weight and she is at 2,700 calories. So for those who haven't been following along, she kind of took a, a, a little bit more of a conservative approach typically like what most of your approach would be to AP. Now, if you haven't been following, we stopped our fat loss one in um, the, at the end of May and our fat loss two starts on September 5th. So why would we wait so long? Well, one, we, and, and trust me, this, does relate to the topic that we're going to be talking about. Um, but I just thought that we could add some context to the discussion. So in fat loss two, September, why would we do it so long? One, we know that longer is better, right? But what we don't typically do is push people to this 4,000 level, right? Typically, we're going to stop men around 3,000. Becky, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it might not even get to 3,000 a lot of times. So when we look at 
what makes a cycle successful, there's two components, right? It's what are your calories and how long were you there, right? And there's really no disadvantage to being higher longer. So we were like, you know what? Why not just wait till the fall? We'll enjoy the summer. And that brings me to the topic of today. What happens a lot during the summer, especially if you're in PR, especially if you're kind of pushing performance, if we're all being honest with ourselves, right? The plan for the most part is kind of the plan. Now, when you're at these higher levels, you know, let's say 2,700 for a woman, I, honestly, my friend is not struggling um, staying weight stable um, at 2,700, which I kind of hate her for that because I'm having to really, really work hard to stay weight stable at 4,000. Now I've been able to do it. Um, I did kind of take a little bit, I, you know, I, I posted some pictures from Las Vegas. Um, and to be honest with you, that was like a, a little bit of a reprieve that I needed. Um, I was using a meal service there. And um, I, I don't think that I was eating 4,000 calories every single day. We, we certainly had days. Um, you know, one of the things that I do when I travel, I used to travel a lot. I don't travel near as much as I used to um, just for, for business and things of this nature. When I'm traveling for business or, or something where I don't really need to eat out very much, I don't. You know, I used to be a little bit more restrictive because places like meal services didn't exist. Now they exist, right? So I can go and get meals from, I think the place was called Foodie Fit and it was great. You know, um, we had a little little oven thingy. It was kind of like a, a, a hot plate, right? That we used and um, it wasn't really hot though. <laughs> Like you would think of a hot plate, you could actually cook on it. It like just warmed it and you had to keep it in that for a really, really long time. So what was nice about Vegas was that I could actually get a little reprieve. So I was probably eating somewhere in the neighborhood about 3000 calories most of the week. And then I probably had a few 5,000 calorie days where we, you know, probably my favorite restaurant that I've ever been to is in Las Vegas. Um, it's named, the name is Carbone. They have another, another one in New York City. Um, and so those, those were definitely 5,000 calorie days. Um, there was another day at a steakhouse that um, we just really enjoyed ourselves, had a good time. But the calorie average overall um, was lower. The other thing too, you know, I don't know if you heard Carolyn and I uh, before the meeting, but we were talking about pickleball. I did play pickleball in Las Vegas. Man, wow, that was a shocker. Um, I had to get up at 5.30 just for it to be reasonable and reasonable in Las Vegas is 95 degrees at 6.30 in the morning. So by the time I would leave, um, I would leave around 8.30 and it would be over 100. And it was routine for me to lose five pounds of water weight because I got interested in it. 
right? So, so I would weigh myself uh, before I left and then I weigh, weigh myself again. And man, you know, even drinking water, it was really, really hard to stay hydrated. And so that definitely contributed to my weight actually being a little bit lower. My weight got to lower than um, towards the end, you know, I was at the numbers that I ended fat loss at. Since coming back, since getting into my normal macros, things of this nature, now my weight is in the 189 to 190 range, which is kind of where I'm trying to stay. I have said that I would be willing to go up to, to 192. Um, it, it's not it's not a it's not a goal. I'm not trying to get to 192. I just like, you know, I like all of you and myself to have ranges where you can kind of keep an eye on how things are going. I think if you've lost 30 pounds in fat loss one, fat loss two, it's certainly reasonable to gain three to six pounds, you know, within the next six months to a year as you're trying to set up what your new set point would be. And so what I think happens for people during the summer is you're following your plan. If we're all being honest with ourselves, it's much easier to follow the plan in fat loss than it is in performance. In performance, you do sort of get to this, this point. It's not the case for me because I understand how important performance is. And for literally 12 years, I've described why performance is so important, but people do let their foot off the gas, right? And so what do they do? Well, we know what you do. You have the 4th of July celebration. What was a one-day celebration turns into a four-day celebration. And then that turns into a week of salads. And it's like a week or two before we can get you back to normal, right? Which isn't the way that it should work, right? Because at the end of the day, even if you do have kind of four days off plan, let's go ahead and get you back to normal, right? And people overreacting by having a salad week, um, and I'm obviously joking a little bit. I mean, for some, some of you, it might be a chicken and kale week, you know, but um, it's, it's just a week where you're eating less kind of intuitively. You're fine just getting back on the plan because that's just going to be the better approach. But let's say that things start to get away from you and you had vacation, you didn't bring your travel scale, you came home. You were up six to eight pounds because the alcohol got away from you. The sodium got away from you. You jump back into the plan and you're struggling to lose that weight. We do have a few options for you. One, um, we can do some level of fasting. I would say that was probably something that I'm not saying I, I don't like it as an option, but here's the problem is it's a great option for getting things under control. It's not a great option for weight loss, right? So what happens is, is you come home from, from vacation up six to eight pounds 
and you change your low days to fasting days where you're skipping breakfast as an example and you kind of normalize things but you're still three to four pounds heavier than you were when you ended fat loss to me that's normal to me that's fine right but it's a matter of kind of managing all of your expectations so that's why i don't love that per se right it's okay if you're okay just kind of getting back to relative normal but if you need to go all the way back then we need to do a mini cut okay what's a mini cut well a mini cut can be as much as six weeks of fat loss typically it's going to be two to four weeks how effective is it well it's really effective because basically you're just doing fat loss again Here's the big problem with doing a mini cut and why I would almost prefer you getting back into the plan, giving that a chance to get back to normal or using the fasting approach and realizing you're not going to get all the way back, but you can get, you know, within three to four pounds of where you were. The problem with the mini cut is now all of a sudden you're in fat loss brain. And you might not be ready for fat loss at that point, right? Because maybe you did fat loss two months ago. And so, you know, we really kind of want people, you know, it sort of depends on the person. So I don't like giving specifics in this example, but we typically like about six months before we run another fat loss cycle. In the best case scenario, everybody's waiting at least a year, right? Because the difference between three months might be eight pounds, uh, six, uh, six months might be 12 pounds, and a year might be 15 pounds, right? So, so you start to see that, you know, if you're doing a fat loss cycle every three months, which we actively encourage people not to do, you're just kind of rinsing and repeating a lot, even if you're doing fat loss one and fat loss two, right? Because even if you do fat loss one, so fat loss one, you do it after three months, it's eight pounds, fat loss two, you lose about five pounds, right? That's 13 pounds overall. You build in three to five pounds. You see what I'm saying? It's like the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Now, if we can get to a year, and what's, what's fun about this is that we're actually starting to organize the data where we can start to maybe use it, right? These are some of the bigger projects that we've had in the back of our mind for a long time. But we, we want to be able to do is kind of model these ideas. So as an example, if we're modeling the idea, you know, if somebody's staying in or out of fat loss for a year, they lose, you know, 12 to 15 pounds um, in uh, fat loss one, and then come back in fat loss two, and we can get another 10 to 12 pounds. That's 27 pounds, right? Now, obviously, this is for people that have 27 pounds to lose. You know, there's a lot of very lean people that spend a lot of time trying to make these big, huge gains. And the reality is, is that 15 pounds in fat loss one and fat loss two might be a lot for that person, but they'll see amazing recon, right? And so... Often you'll see those people 
actually building a little bit of muscle or it, it certainly looks like they build muscle because their body recomps so drastically, right? And so I would probably encourage people to do the best they can, right? Get back on plan. If you can get within that three to four pound range, right? So if you came back and you were six to eight, I would highly encourage all of you to get a travel scale. I understand what you're thinking. I'm on vacation. I don't want to have to worry about this nonsense. And I get it. But that's not what it does. What it does is, is it doesn't allow you to go off the rails, right? You just, you just are eating a little bit more reasonably on one or two days as you go so that you come home two to three pounds up rather than, you know, six to eight. So that would be my first suggestion. My second suggestion is let's loosen the grip on your lowest weight in fat loss. I literally just mentioned that I only recently saw that again, and I was almost certainly dehydrated, right? So um, without giving yourself that three to five pound range, I think you're going to be frustrated a lot and you're going to have a lot of inner dialogue that's not going to be healthy. And ultimately, I think you're going to quit, right? Because you're not being realistic about what all of this is. You know, even in the case of fluctuation, you know, most of what you're doing is going to be rehydrating. When you eat less, right, there's a certain amount of body dehydration that happens your muscles aren't going to be as full things of this nature because usually you're going to be eating more whole foods because that's going to help with some hunger signaling and things of this nature i just feel like if you come back from vacation or summer's gotten away from you six to eight pounds spending a lot of time trying to go all the way back and we see this a lot where, where people are rinsing and repeating these, um, we, we actively discourage them. But at, at, at some point, we do have to allow you to kind of do what you need to do. I think we do make compelling cases. We do talk people off the ledge in a lot of these instances, and we've been able to do a lot of good work over the years. But at the same time, you know, there's going to be a point where we're going to let you fail. And guess what? You do. And we see it over and over and over again, which is why we make such compelling arguments to not do that because we see that it just doesn't work. Now, you might need it mentally, right? And that's that's okay, you know, and, and that could be a case for a, you know, quick mini cut or something like that. But, you know, the one thing that actually does help with a mini cut, um, is that what we often see is that people go, yeah, I'm not ready for another fat loss cycle mentally or physically. Um, so sometimes you kind of do need to do that, right? Mini cuts are like something, it's like a trump card. It's like an emergency button. You want to use it as little as you possibly can. And the reason why is because it sets you all the way back to zero, right? 
So it's it's like it's like landing on the slickery slide in Candyland or whatever. You know, you go, you're all the way to the top and you're thinking to yourself, if I'm gonna roll a four here, I win. And then you you hit that slide and you're all the way at the bottom. That's what a mini cut is. And so now you gotta work things all the way up. We're spending too much time on the dark arts, right? Like the mini cuts and the fasting and, you know, um, and not enough time on the patient piece, not enough time on the food as an ally piece. And I will say, I mean, like if you came to us and you kind of knew you were under eating, but you still said you wanted fat loss, it can be difficult to ride the train all the way to where it needs to go. But I say this all the time, until you've been doing Eat to Perform for, for six months without dieting, you didn't do Eat to Perform because you don't know. You don't know what it's like to have an adequate amount of calories for a long period of time. And, you know, the simple answer to how long is long enough is as long as possible. Um, I think I said it earlier, but if I didn't, um, mine was seven years. Now, I have a comfort level different than the rest of you. I mean, it's so funny because, you know, um, I mean, one of the things that I noticed right out the gate once I lost, I can't remember what it was, you know, 12, 13 pounds or something, people started commenting on my weight, which, you know, I didn't love. Um, but it was, it was so, it just reminded me how little any of that bothers me right? Or that thought, thought process, right? I mean, I'm, I guess I'm like everybody, you know, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> but I was watching this show Hacks and uh, I can't remember the name of the character. She was, I can't even remember the show, but it was the show with Delta Burke. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Somebody help me. Um, um, but, but Hacks on HBO, um, this older character, She's taking a selfie with um, a young person and the young person is taking the selfie like below her chin. And she's like, give me that. What are you, some kind of sadist? And then she moved the camera up high. I'm, you know, I'm still a move the camera up high guy, right? Um, I'm certainly not going to be taking <laughs> pictures, you know, from my navel. Um, I'm not a sadist. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's, it's not that it doesn't affect me. It just doesn't affect me much. You know, I mean, I was 260 pounds, you know, like, you know, I'm designing women. Yes, that's the name of the show. Um, and if you haven't seen Hacks, by the way, amazing show. Totally fun. Um, and so I just think that you know, part of the Eat to Perform, part of the Strong Daughters movement, part of all the things that we talk about, the, the, the message from Sarah, she did a great series this week. You know, the idea is really to push the, the top end more, right? And, and 
and really see what you can get away with there. Allow for some mental flexibility. Don't move into, you know, fasting or, or mini cuts if you can avoid it, right? But if mentally it's dominating you, let's do something about it, right? Talk to your coach. But ideally, you're talking to your coach. Your coach is talking to you off the ledge, and you can enjoy the rest of the summer. And then this is the best advice I can give you related to all of this is plan your fat loss cycle and allow it to be a little flexible. Like as an example, mine I know is going to start the day after Labor Day. But you know what? If something comes up, I'll move it till October. So you can be a little bit flexible. I think that if you're sitting here and you're six weeks away from Labor Day, give yourself that rope, right? Because life is meant to be enjoyed. Food is meant to be enjoyed. And if you're going to do something about it, at least do something about it when the scenario is going to be affected the best, right? You know, let's be real. It's summer. You're probably going to have a lot of temptation. And if you're trying to run a mini cut or even on fasting days, things of this nature, it's going to be difficult. So planning those fat loss cycles is probably the best strategy that you can come up with. Um, I do think that as an example, if you are able to get things under control and you were going to run a short fat loss cycle or a mini cut because you, you know, had overdone things, you don't need to feel obligated to do that fat loss cycle, right? Push that later, maybe to January 1st, something like that. If you can keep pushing these things out, staying weight stable as calories are going up, that's always better, right? So, all right, let's move to Q&A. Okay, Michelle has a question. Is more weight loss the only benefit in pushing calories way high in PR, like Paul is doing now, versus normal PR macros? I'm doing fat loss in January. When should calories be pushed up before fat loss? I, um, how much weight should I be comfortable with gaining with that push? Well, that's a really, you know, that's a very personal decision. Um, I, I, I personally think that if you lost 30 pounds, right, you should be comfortable with 10 between now and January, right? Um, not a, once again, not a goal, but, but I think that it will allow you, I think the other thing too, that's important to this discussion is we're not talking about your highest weight within the week. We're talking about your lowest weight within the week, right? That's very important because there are a lot of people that are like, well, the weight fluctuates seven pounds. No, no, no. We're talking about three to five pounds low to low. Right. So if you're ended fat loss at 180 pounds and we're dealing with fluctuation, we're not really concerned if your weight got to 186 to 187. We're really focus on just the low days, right? Your lowest days, whether it comes after your morning after your low day or some other day that does happen for some people. So I think it's, I think it's, uh, I was, I was really, you're actually bringing up the point that I was about to make earlier, right? 
is that um, when I started powerlifting, I was at 166. Yeah, I might get to 170 on occasionally. Um, I allowed myself 20 pounds to become a powerlifter because weight transfers favorably to strength, right? And you have better leverage against the bar, all these different things that end up being favorable. So I think what it comes down to is what your goals are, right? So, so it's interesting because, because of the pickleball thing. So right now, when I talk to people, one of the things I talk about is I actually don't need my goal to change at all, other than the fact that it is favorable for pickleball. I'll be a little bit faster. I can move around. I get a little bit more agile once I'm in my 170s, things of this nature. Um, and so I would say that, you know, I am getting some information. I would say that three to six pounds between now and January is very good for you. And my understanding is that you've been weight stable. So you still have a lot of room. What I would suggest to you is to push that low in, right? So try and give yourself the availability mentally to weigh three pounds more in the next you know, September, October, right? And just see how that feels. Because one, it's going to allow you to build more muscle, by the way. You know, I mean, not only, you know, more food will transfer over better for weight or for muscle, but so does more weight. So if you're allowing your body to kind of cycle up a little bit, that is going to be favorable for muscle. Okay, Jesse's asking, would you recommend increasing exercise more instead of cutting? No. That's it. That's the answer. I mean, okay. we're, we're not trying to earn food, right? Um, the, um, now, I'll give you one caveat. Okay, I'll, I'll throw you a bone here. There are some people that aren't working with a level of intensity, whereas they could be, right? So when people hear me talking about pickleball, they're like, oh, gosh, Paul's just like moseying around this court. Paul's playing for three to four hours some days, right? I've moved to full rest days, right? So I have four days where I play, three full rest days because my recovery is so much better. We have to get out of this thought process that we do exercise for anything other than getting better at exercise, right? And so can you up your level of intensity? I don't know what your level of intensity is now, right? So that's difficult for me to say. But what I can say is that, um, if you don't feel like you're pushing it enough, I would argue a little bit that you don't love it, right? Because you literally have to get, drag me off of the pickleball court, right? I just love it that much, you know? 
and I've played seven hour sessions and you have to be crazy to do that. You know, um, I mean, it's so funny, you know, I know these, these are dominated by pickleball and, you know, kind of is what it is. It's kind of what I do. Um, but I literally, like we have one place that we go to is 45 minutes from my house. And then I get out of my car and I walk like a hundred year old man, everything hurts. <laughs> right. If, if you're exercising and things don't hurt at all, then maybe your intensity isn't high enough. That would be the only argument that I would make because, you know, that's why I went to full rest days. And that's why, you know, I mean, my recovery at 4,000 calories is, is amazing. Um, but even with that, you know, you're breaking down a lot of tendons. You're breaking down a lot of, you know, muscle that needs to repair itself, you know? And, uh, so I'm not a fan of, uh, of, of exercising more. Plus it also doesn't work. Um, you can read the book burn, um, by Herman Ponsner and it goes into that, that, um, and that's all relatively new science, by the way, right? Um, it's not new to us. We've known this forever that, uh, you know, exercising more. So exercising more is good for weight maintenance, not great for weight loss, right? So if you're asking me if you can up your level of intensity for better weight maintenance, great, do that. If you're asking me if you should up your level of intensity so that you can lose two to five pounds, real bad idea, right? You, the goal of what we're trying to teach all of you is that we're using this food, we're using this rest to become better as human beings, not beating ourselves down for two pounds. Okay. Um Amy is asking a question. She's in orientation. I was just pulling up her file. Um, she's training right now for the New York City Marathon and is asking she, when should she plan her fat loss cycle. Um, she is set up at fat loss. So I don't see in here about her mentioning um, training for the marathon, uh, but she should likely talk to her coach about that so we can get her out of fat loss right now. Yeah, so we need to move you to PR, right? Now, the interesting thing about moving you to PR is that we're, you're going to start off at lower macros um, than you'll probably end up at because one, we need to be a little bit cautious, but also we need to sort of figure out where your body's at and what it's capable of doing. Okay. So now we're training for a marathon. We're doing marathon things. That's all great. When do you, when do you do a cut? out of season is the answer, right? And so why out of season? Because you can lower your intensity, you should be lowering your intensity so that your body is able to heal. Every runner that I know leaves training season, they have a certain level of maintenance and now they're starting to work on building muscle, making sure that they're kind of regaining maybe some of the muscle that they lost during their training season um, and in their competition season. 
But the answer is we want to fuel that training session as much as we can and get ready for a wild ride. You're going to be shocked at what you can get away with. And you need to allow yourself mentally to be okay not losing weight because that's not the goal of that phase. The goal of that phase is to maintain weight, really up calories so that you're performing better, getting PRs, things of this nature. And then we move you to a, a cut. Um, sadly, for most of my runners, that is over the holidays, you know, and, you know, it kind of is what it is. I mean, it's the same thing for CrossFit Games athletes. It's the same game for obstacle racers. You know, no one's running competitions at that point. And so it's a great time to cut. Carolyn, you muted Sorry. yourself. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, Alina's asking, my weight has been up after being sick and unable to get food in or exercise. I'm in PR. Is this normal? I would say that there's no normal. Um, it sounds like you're probably doing what most sick people do, what I do, you know, is you're loading up on sodium so that um, your body's more hydrated and you can process it and get healthy again. Um, you're probably just a little bit more hydrated than you normally are, even if you're under eating, right? So if you're normally eating 1500 milligrams of sodium, and now all of a sudden you're eating 3500 to kind of be more hydrated, process all that stuff out. There's a reason why chicken noodle soup, you know, is kind of the go-to. It's not my go-to, just so you know, my go-to is pho. Um, I'm telling you, if you're still, if you're like on the tail end, go get yourself some pho. Now, your weight will go up, but you will get healthy fast because that will hydrate the heck out of you. And oh, by the way, uh, pro tip with pho is um, you get it at Vietnamese restaurants. If you go to the Vietnamese person, that owns that restaurant and ask them to set up your pho, pho for you, you will have a much better pho experience. For the longest time, I heard all this great stuff about pho. And um, by the way, it's pronounced pho, but, it, but it's spelled pho, P-H-O. Um, but um, I was like, I don't get the big deal, you know? And sometimes the broth isn't good enough. I, well, I will say this the better pho places do have better broth and you don't have to put as much stuff in it, but I still like a little hoisin sauce, a little sriracha, some limes, some basil, you know, all the different stuff that they put in there. And I wasn't previous to that because I didn't have a Vietnamese mentor and the person that, you know, runs that restaurant is dying to help you. So that, that's a, that's a, a pho hack for you but yes it it is normal mostly because of the food okay amanda's asking i'm in pr right now but had a couple of weeks of vacation where i was away camping and not tracking food um weight is up eight pounds from lowest weight after my last fat loss cycle. I'm trying to get back on track right now, but honestly feeling kind of defeated. I wanted to enjoy the summer with my kids 
and friends be able to go out for ice cream, attend barbecues, etc. And tracking these things can be tricky sometimes. Even when tracking, I have a hard time not going over on fat when I try to work in these extra treats into the plan. Any tips? I feel like I'm having to talk myself out of quitting altogether every day. So I, I don't have any tips for the quitting altogether every day other than this. It's, it's got to be who you are, right? So there's this, there's this saying, it's not on me, it's in me right you it, it you know it sounds like you're auditioning you can perform and so so if you're auditioning you can perform and you're eight pounds up you know it's not going to ever get in you i gave you the answer to the question multiple ways and what i think that you're ultimately would be the best strategy is to set a goal for a fat loss cycle in September. But you're a great example of why someone should have a travel schedule, right? And I understand with alcohol, things of this nature, weight can increase a lot. But what you're saying is, is you're kind of holding on to it. And I'm going to guess a little bit of what you're saying is, is that I'm sort of in fuck it mode, right? And um, you get to a point you're eight pounds up, you maybe lost 15 pounds, and you're like, what's all this for? Well, when you, you know, what is, what's the big thing? Um, you puncture your tire, and then you go and puncture all the other three just because you had the one punctured tire, right? Um, that's kind of what you're saying, right? I think this isn't in you yet. You're not like a real believer relate and that's fine that's totally fine like it i mean even for me you know i i was sort of auditioning to perform early on i just you know as a concept it seemed like a good concept um but it took me a while to realize that i don't want to ever have that other lifestyle right i don't want to i know that it makes me miserable now you might have the so you you might have the interest you a lot of people like you their instinct is to leave eat to perform and then intuitively under eat for a long time, right? That doesn't sound like you. What sounds like you is the person that when things go wild, they can go really wild, you know. Um, both are bad. Both are not great. You know, you're going to have to figure out a way to mentally get to that place. And, and this is why the fat loss cycles are six weeks. This is why I'm suggesting putting a fat loss, um, on, on the calendar. But like I said, let's go ahead and put a fat loss on the calendar for September 6th. And if you lose five pounds because you're, you're right now going off the rails a little bit, you're able to rein it in because now you know that there's an endpoint. Now, the worst thing you could do in this situation is go, well, I'm in full send mode, right? <laughs> because I know I'm going um, 
on to fat loss on September 6th. And so let's just push this to wherever its inevitable end is. Um, that is a bad idea, right? Um, because there's so many things wrong about that. And I, I just keep coming back to it's not on you, it's in you, right? It has to be part of who you are, right? That when moments like this happen to you, you do the responsible thing. You know, do you really want to be the mother? I talked about this actually in one of my posts uh, earlier in the week. I talked about my grandmother and um, just the impact that my grandmother's dieting had on me as a person um, and, and how I looked at the world. And um, then we started to get these applications in for strong daughters. And I'm reading through all of these applications and every single one of them is talking about their parents and how their parents ate. And, and how their parents either didn't enjoy food or how their parents did enjoy food, but too much, right? Um, I do think that you want to be modeling the right kind of behavior. And the right kind of behavior sounds a little bit like what you're kind of doing, but maybe with some slight tweaks. You know, you're not mentioning alcohol. Maybe alcohol is a factor. A lot of people, it is a factor. You know, it's one of the least talked about things. People tend to not mention it. Um, yeah, you know, when you overconsume alcohol, you know, usually when someone gains eight pounds, there was alcohol involved, right? Um, usually when there's not alcohol, that's one of the big advantages that I have, right? Is that, you know, my weight's going to fluctuate usually one to three pounds um, because I don't drink. If I drank, then I'd be three to eight pounds. You know, so um, moderating alcohol, if that's if that's part of the issue. Um, I also don't know, as an example, what your your weight is. So, you know, there's so many times where we're having these discussions and someone says, I lost 30 pounds. And then the very next person, like especially on Facebook in the comments goes, you know, I haven't lost. I've only lost 15, you know, and so frustrated because I have 30 pounds to lose. And they don't know that the person that was above them is 360 pounds. <laughs> and it, it just like, and I can't say that, right? And, and, and people are comparing themselves to these other folks. And so um, I just, I just plead with you, right? Like, just try and hear me on this, you really, it's not just for you. It should be mostly for you. I mean, 99% of it should be for you. But that extra 1%, you should be modeling the right behavior. And this needs to be become a part of who you are. Like, you know, thinking about quitting because of eight pounds. I mean, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I really would question your commitment level. You know, like that can't be the thing you can't go off the rails for eight pounds right and so you know but like i said you know 
I think within that conversation, the other conversation that you're actually having is one, I'm going to go off the rails or two, I'm just going to under eat like I used to. Neither one of those are acceptable, right? You just not far long enough in the process to understand how unacceptable it is. And just trust me, bathe in the waters. It's amazing. You will love it here. You know, so I hope you take that in the spirit of what you meant to. So Carrie's asking, um, I'm in AP after fat loss too. Like most people, my work schedule is full. Home from work, 545, CrossFit at 630, putting me home at 830, which means I eat dinner 9, 930, bed about 1130. I need to fix that. I know. So my question is, I don't know if it's hurting me eating so late. I know lack of sleep is trying to navigate meal timing better, but would love tips on workouts in the evening and eating late. I'm feeling like I need to maybe scale back on CrossFit and do some of Stephanie's workouts at home. I feel like this can help with my eating schedule with Recomp. So I would love to know how many days of CrossFit, right? Because if it's like five to six days, well, then I have an easy solution for you. Um, Now, I am going to say that, you know, for many of us, you know, I've been part of the CrossFit community for 12 years. Um, I know what it's like to kind of, that becomes your social thing. So when I talk about pickleball, pickleball just replaced the social aspect of, I can't tell you how many times I, I sit at the, the pickleball court, just like I did at CrossFit, talking to people to the point where like the owner gives you a key. So just lock up, Paul, right? I mean, like, it's just one of those things. So, so I think that a lot of times when people go five to six times, it becomes their relaxation. But then at a certain point, it becomes a burden. And so if you're going five to six times, even two to three times is totally fine, especially if you're getting in steps on other days, things of this nature. Um, And so, so that would be, some of what I would be thinking about. I mean, I, I hesitate to say this because, you know, it sounds like you're busier than I am. And I, I'm, I'm, I have a level of empathy towards that in a big, big way. You know, I definitely have been there. I know what that's like, but man, I just know what it's like to get eight hours sleep, you know? And I, I would really, really encourage you, if you can't do it more, try and get in at least two to three days where, you know, you're not getting in so late. You know, I know that, I mean, what'd she say the the hours were of CrossFit? She is going five times. Um, CrossFit 6.30 puts her home at about 8.30. Then she doesn't eat until 9, 9.30. Yeah, so, so... The problem is, is that you're amped up, you know, from 8.30 to, to midnight, and then you have to get up at 6, right? I mean, at least try three, right? Um, if it has to be four, it has to be four. But I'll just tell you this, one hour walk with your kids, um, 
is better for you fat loss wise than CrossFit is, you know, especially if it allows you to sleep eight hours. Right. And so, so, and I, and I know, you know, people are thinking, wow, you know, here's Paul talking bad about CrossFit. I am not. I think it's really, really effective. I loved it when I was doing it. But the one thing that I would take away now from my CrossFit experience was that I was working out way too much, you know? And so you're, you're, you have really two issues, right? You have the probably working out more, right? Than, than um, I could to be there for my family, but also to be there for yourself, man. I mean, just, wow. You know, the, the tax on your personal time, you know, um, I don't know what that's like, you know, I just, I just need me time, you know, and, and I think you need me time, but you probably don't need as much me time as, as I do. My wife doesn't need as much me time as I do, but man, my wife will sit there, you know, listening to podcasts or playing Sudoku or some of these other things that she does kind of to wind down. And I mean, it's almost like a celebration, right? We need to get to that point where we embrace sleep and recovery and rest the way that we're pushing ourselves for what, right? The eating late, I don't have a horse in that race, to be completely honest with you. Your weight is probably a little bit up the next day because you ate late. That's totally normal. That's totally fine. I mean, if you wanted to kind of, you know, figure that out a little bit, um, you could weigh yourself a little bit later in the morning, right? And realize that your weight is actually probably lower um, than it has been recently because you're eating later, right? But um, I really think if you can come to a compromise, and yes, you know, I said it earlier, the more you work out, the better it's going to be for weight maintenance, right? So when I talked about full rest days, this is interesting. When I talked about full rest days, you have to be a little bit comfortable with your weight being up a little bit higher because you're not consistently hitting it that way. Now, because you're working out at 100% rather than 60%, your weight does normalize, but it will spike up, right? And that might mess with you, right? Because you're five times a weaker, you know? Um, as you move to four times or three times, and, and, and now all of a sudden your activity is with your family or with, you know, friends, um, you know, you can go on hikes with your best friend and get uh, more of a calorie burn than you would through CrossFit, right? I'm not suggesting that you should replace CrossFit. Um, and I'm certainly not suggesting, by the way, that you should just work out at home and do Stephanie's stuff, right? Um, that's the part of it that where I would probably discourage you a little bit. Not that I don't love Stephanie's, it's, it's great workouts, right? But let's realize why you're going to CrossFit five days a week. It's a little bit of your me time. It's your Sudoku. It's your routine that my wife's doing during sleep, right? 
And so you have to factor that in that you're doing that for social reasons. So you may have to replace that as you start to chill out a little bit. And you may have to realize, okay, I can control my weight a little bit better when I'm working out five days a week. But you know what? My mind's a little bit better when I'm sleeping better, getting better rest, things of this nature. So there'll be some mental gymnastics that you'll have to do in, in, in the moment. But I think you knew the answer to this question before you asked it to me. But I hope that I provided you some clarity. Um, one last question here. Alina's asking, you mentioned the eating late. I work till 10 p.m. at least two weeks a month. I then get up for seven. Is there a good cutoff time for food intake? No, it doesn't matter. It's no difference. Um, now, it is different if you're weighing yourself, right? So your weight will be up because if you eat at six o'clock, compared to 11 o'clock, it's going to allow for better digestion, all these different types of things, you know? Um, so, but in terms of the whole, you know, it's not really a factor. Now, it could be a factor if you're judging your lowest weight related to a low day or something of that nature. Um, on those days, if you can, then you would want to kind of eat on a normal pace and not eat late, or you just say, I'm gonna look at the overall trend, right? And the overall trend is going to still work out the exact same way. There's no real value. You know, if you remember back in the Oprah days, it was like, don't eat a grape after six o'clock, you know? And that fucked up so many people for so many years. And so, so the, the interesting thing about that study, by the way, it, it was so funny because they used it for their thought process, which was, you know, if you remember, it was Oprah and Bob Green. And Bob Green was pushing it because, you know, he was in a weight loss, right? But what was interesting is, is that you could view the study the other way, right? For the people that didn't lose as much weight, those people actually kept more muscle right? Why? Because they slept better, because they, they ate later, right? And so the study actually was much more favorable towards eating later and sleeping better and getting more restful sleep. Yet, you know, the North Star of Bob Green and Oprah at that time was weight loss, right? And so that's why that narrative got there. And that, that narrative messed up a lot of people, you know, I mean, I would say it was only probably two years before either form where I lost that thought process, right? So it messed me up for a long time. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. We had a lot of great questions. Hopefully everybody got a lot, of, lot from this and I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.